Cross the streams. Calling men in segment is back. Kip here. And I, guys, this is like the original lineup. The band is back together. Jeff Matsushita and Carly Rohner joining me. I don't know if you guys know. I know this is the first episode of season five for Calling Men In. But it's our 11th episode for this segment that you guys helped me create for the podcast. Uh, you know, with, with the intention of creating space and deep diving topics and current events in the realm of sexual assault, violence prevention and education, victim advocacy, and overall trying to bring men into the discussions of ways to create, you know, a better manhood for themselves and a better world for everybody else. So because it's we're starting season five and this is the first time with you guys for some of the listeners, let's get the bona fides out of the way, right? So we'll start with Carly, reintroduce yourself, name, where you're coming to us from on the pod, and obviously your your official job titles that make you the expert you are. Thanks. Um, my name is Carly Runner. I use she, her pronouns. And I, my background predominantly is in violence prevention work. Um, I've been really lucky to work on a whole bunch of campuses around Oregon, helping folks to try and think about how can we make those campuses a safer, healthier environment for all of Oregon students. And so my official title as of right now is campus coordinator, and I work for the Oregon Attorney General's Sexual Assault Task Force. Perfect. Thank you. Jeff? Hey, appreciate it. Uh, Jeff Matsushita, he, him, his. Uh, I reside in Boise, Idaho, and work with the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence, um, and also with the Call to Men. Uh, 2004, got into the work around engaging men, just the idea that we know not all men are violent, but the rest of us sat by and watched violence occur. Uh, maybe complicit in that silence. So my work has been, you know, because women have been doing this work for so long, they've gotten us to a place primarily where now we can talk about prevention. And that's now our role as men to do what we do in these conversations. Kip, appreciate you linking us up and having the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for that quick recap. And hopefully everybody that's new to the segment or returners, remembering now why, why I bring these two voices on to help me through this, uh, as I am the sole host now of the podcast. But that's a good thing, Jeff, because my brother got a promotion to your neck of the woods, which means we might inhabit the same space when I come out there soon. So Kane's moving on to Boise State uh, as a, a co-defensive coordinator. And, you know, in that realm, it's just not enough time to get him on here. I'm sure he'll be a featured guest enough. But it's all right. I can handle the co-hosting, guys. Everybody everybody knows I like to talk. So I can just talk. it it's be fine. But I appreciate you two joining us. And I know we got a great plan. And, and I was able to send it out to you guys in advance. But I got a curveball because you guys are veterans and you can handle this, okay? Um, in terms of, I'm going to frame it around consumption versus creation. All right, Jeff, you got to go first. Consumption versus creation is something I've been chewing on ever since one of my captains at Willamette. We randomly crossed paths in the team room, which seems silly, right? Kip, it's the team room. You're the coach. He's a player. But in 2020, 2021, the Bearcats don't play a season. So it is a random interaction that I actually get to see my guys. And my player brought up, Coach, I'm really thinking about do I consume too much in comparison to what I create and put out into the world? So in 2020, Jeff, what did consumption versus creation, that scale, where do you think you landed on it? And I'm going to give you time to think about it. And Carla, you can think even more because Jeff will go first. I really felt like the pandemic put me in a position of really consuming a lot for like the first month or two. I don't know if it was like a self-pity or like a striving to get as much information about the virus, but I was digesting things a ton. I wasn't doing as much creation as I'm used to, you know, both in terms of as a coach and the output into creating a team and an environment and a game plan. 
Um, but not until really I kickstarted my Teams of Men business was I back to actually creating stuff and putting it out there. And I've been trying to be cognizant of that, consuming versus creation, because I think there's benefits in both. But I'm hoping 2021, I get more of my release from creation. I've been getting a lot of consumption, whether that's, and I don't want to just paint it purely as Netflix and um, social media, but also reading a ton of books. You know, Jeff helps me figure out good books to read as well. And Carla, you've done that in the past as well. But I'm trying to be more of a creative than I was able to do in 2020. I don't know if 2021 will let us. It's real early. Um, but Jeff, you go and then Carly, your thoughts as well. Where do you, where did you land on that? And where do you want to be? Thanks for the curveball. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Mm. I, by definition, I am a consumer. Uh, I consume food. Uh, I consume laughter as a piss poor offensive player on the basketball court. I, uh, I consume like charges and, and muscle <laughs> points. So I don't create and I feel myself more of a role in that. If you said a creator or consumer, I'm going consumer, but I'm going to weave a, a third option in there of like convener. Mm, I, feel like I love that. Space yeah. Is, you know, permission giving meaning that I'm doing my own work and, and I got miles to go before I sleep. And in that vulnerability, in those conversations with men, my interests. So I feel like it's convening of space and time, uh, conversation topics, diving deep. As you were naming the intro to the show of like domestic violence, sexual assault, campus sexual assault, all the work that we talk about, that makes me not somebody who's really high on a dinner invite list, <laughs> right? But, and I'm good with that. So I'm almost pre-built for COVID quarantine. Like mm -hmm. my, my partner was giving me kind of a hard time. She's like, Jeff's built for this. Like you should be good. <laughs> and I have been for about seven months, the last three to four, I'm really finding that I'm missing it. And I do believe it's that convening of space, convening of conversations. Um, so yeah, a little more Miles Davis than, uh, than an actual set music position and i just went over the moon no i love that that was Davis. so good so I'm gonna you said kip it's Miles not Davis. this isn't a binary world thanks buddy i'm gonna go with different options right i love it carly your turn i love it we have the flexibility to come in and just be whoever we are thank yes. you kip um i think so to answer your question i think i was in a similar pattern over the first couple months of COVID, right and i think part of that is if you are a person who really needs to derive like information from things to make your decisions that's a natural mode so i was definitely in that like consume consume i did fall into the consume netflix like hole <laughs> massively this last year um and i think partially just it was restorative if you're not somebody who um gets a lot of energy from creating and creating takes a lot of energy from you i think sometimes falling into that consuming role can be easier same, I think it works vice versa for folks. And as you were saying that, I was like, I'm also wondering if in relation to our work, the consumption versus creation part, if we fulfill those at different points, either in our professional world or in our personal lives, thinking about like, there's times where I have been the energizer bunny and like putting stuff out all the time in this work. And then there's been times where a colleague or somebody was like, I think it's your term your time to take a step back mm. and like you need to sit back and you need to consume so that you can create later so i don't know that it's necessarily again it's not a binary thing i think it's more of a cyclical thing like i'm going to take some in sometimes and then 
be creative any other times. I, I think, think that's a, I, I want to, Carly, how was that when somebody pointed that out to you? Because I know me, somebody probably needs to say that. You know, I got a pretty good staff of guys that I've been with and trust, and I think they have a pretty honest relationship. But I, I think I would probably be like, what? I'm out here just, I'm leaving this thing. But I think that's probably healthy to take yeah. a step. I get exhausted. I feel sometimes the drive, like, or the requirement to push agendas and be the leading voice in every single room. So I, 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 I'm happy for you, but I also, how did that feel when that was said? Cause I know I would probably push back on it right away. Oh, and I think that's super valid for your role, right? As a coach, mm -hmm. like that is your job is to be creating and driving and doing that. I think because I had a lot of trust with that person, I was like, yep, automatically like, absolutely. If you say it, if it was somebody I didn't know, I know that would hit me harder because it takes energy to create. And mm -hmm. so we invest a lot of ourselves in that. Um, so I think it, it, that relationship was solid. So it made it easier. And we need to in this work, like we have to hear that to be able to do our work. Mm. Like our job is taking in that kind of feedback all the time. We need to get good at it. So, yeah, well, that's a great. Yeah, I, Go ahead, I really Jeff. appreciate that idea, Carly, about moving back, right? Stepping back. Somebody, and again, that's an act of love if somebody's willing to tell you that, right? And, that, and, and here's the other piece in this conversation, like, we learn from you, we learn from other women, we learn from women of color, we learn from people from marginalized identities. And me and my body with all the things that I come with, I have to be a consumer. Mm. If I'm not, then I'm just an unaccountable man who's out here taking up space and, and not doing it well. So I think I, I dodged your question a touch, Kip, no, because my it. identity was wrapped into the idea of convening. Mm. And my energy, my cup is filled with that. And I appreciate you naming it, Carly. I. I should be, and we as men always should be consuming and moving back in ways. Um, and I know we're going to touch on this later on, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up back later on in the conversation. But so I think for us as men, yes, consuming, creation is partial, but maybe creating with one another in, mm. in similar identities um, and consuming is the, not as a transactional piece, but as a way of love in relationship with somebody you mentioned who would call you in like that, Carly. That's an act of love. So us as men being in relationships with people with marginalized identities, we'll just name, I'll name women for one, but women of color, women, all multiple identities, that we should be moving back and be in listening mode. That's awesome. See, you guys handled the curveball. You hit it out of the park. It wasn't even a curveball. It was like a straight fastball. That was awesome. That, that's great. Okay, Go let's do outside, though. Bring it inside. <laughs> Bring it Okay, I'm going to screen share because we're doing a Zoom here. Obviously, podcast folks, you're like, Kip, you're not showing me nothing. I, I know. I'll put this in the graphics of the episode. Um, but I shared with you so you guys to prep for this first segment before we take a small break in the middle. Um, I found this from on Men Can Stop Violence. You know, we've talked a lot on here about changing what you digest on your social media feeds. Uh, and both of you and, and other folks have been really helpful in me recreating it from a strictly ESPN basketball feed, although that's still there. Um, and crazy politics stuff to also people that are doing the work like you all and putting out content daily uh, to challenge, you know, some socializations and some some problematic ideas that are out there. So Men Can Stop Violence is one of those. And they put out and were very purposeful. It was like a buildup. I don't know if you guys saw it in a launch of this new definition of sexual violence. Um, and I actually I talked about this with, with, a, with a group of coaches in our hive mind for teams of men who really had never seen it laid out. I think Avery sometimes, and you guys can speak to this too and all the work you do, I think there's a general like imagery that goes along when you hear sexual violence, but putting it to words I felt was so powerful and really I, the words they use. So I'm going to read it 
and then just let's go with reacts you know carla you can start and i'm sure in the that'll bring me to conversation topics we can keep going but the new definition they put out was male sexual entitlement combined with tactics to impose his will and then they added a little disclaimer underneath the definition engages men in conversations about sexual norms and encourages men to take a mental inventory of their beliefs used to justify sexual violence in themselves and others. And I, I mean, I was floored by this. I, I was like, I got to get this in front of my guys now. I mean, I got to be in the teams. We can't meet because of the, the county restrictions. We, I can't meet with them. Uh, but we've already done one of these Zooms with it. But, dude, Carly, where, where do we go with this? What, what did you think? Male sexual entitlement combined with tactics to impose his will. I love this, and I really encourage folks to read the white paper that they put out um, or any of the materials. They've got a great infographic, so if you don't have a lot of time to consume, we're staying on theme, then you can do that. But one of the things that I love that was in that paper they were talking about, um, and I think it's really common in our work, that definitions inherently leave somebody out, and Mm. they miss the mark a lot of times. And so our campus definitions are super, super vague. Our, our definitions from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention give us a little bit more room to talk about like social norms and things, but not in a way that I think is meaningful for everybody. And so when I first saw this, my thoughts were like, wow, our language is so often adversarial, men's mm. violence against women. And this, I think, is just more of that work like we've talked about in other episodes of recentering folks. Like, how do you fit in this if you're a male-identified person? How are you engaging with this? If this is men's violence, how does that center you? How are you able to see yourself in either that entitlement or as somebody who's able to change it? So that was the first part I was thinking is like, what a great way to break this down into ways that new folks can see themselves in this work. Um, Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Jeff. I appreciate that piece, Carly, about recentering. And what we know, you can't see it, you can't be it. And I was Jackson Katz's work often, right, of like shifting the narrative to naming it. No, it's men's violence, men's violence against women, girls, people who are gender nonconforming, and men, men's violence. Uh, this definition had me floored, Kip. I didn't see the rollout. So mm. thank you for being the one to open me up to new things and what they're doing. Um, I really did, as Carly suggested, the white paper. Um, I spent my time with the infographics, though, because, again, I mouth breathed. That was right on <laughs> my alley. The paper, though, I appreciated the connection in these times that we're in around this reform of criminal criminal legal system, and and part of the their motivation to to do this definition was because the definition is very legal, mm. right? And is it is seeking punitive, and they name black and brown men, black and brown bodies are being over policed and over through the criminal system, so I think it was a great way to to make it about how could I talk with a circle of men? It goes back to being a convener. If I'm going to sit down with a group of men and, and give them the definition, this is from the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network, rain.org, mm-hmm. and this is the sexual assault definition according to the state of Oregon. Rape is defined as engaging in sexual intercourse with another person if, semicolon, bullet point, if the person is, is forced under the age of 12, under 16, uh, the victim is incapable. I'm, I'm not going to go on because this isn't the legal section, but that language is not enticing, nor is it talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, a 22-year-old Jeff on a college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read the definition and I'm bored. One, two, I don't see any to it. And it's just about a physical act. There is nothing around 
the way we've been raised and the expectations in these bodies that I was born into as a man mm-hmm. that come with the expectations of dominance, of violence, of emotional sub- submission, um, and sexual conquest being tied to my status amongst other men in my circle. So th- the, the definition that MSV puts down is something that I can actually have a conversation about, and it ain't on attack mode. It's mm. for me to inquire and me to ask other men to inquire about tactics to impose my will. That sounds like something my football coach would mm-hmm. put on at the halftime. Oh, it is. It's probably in like the art of war, something like that, right? Yeah. Sun Tzu had it in there. I bet chapter thirty-five. Yeah. The you know I I, I really appreciate you guys all those different things you brought up, Carly. The part, the entitlement piece, and Jeff, you jump in on here too. The entitlement part I thought was so. When I asked my guys, I said, "What stands out here?" You know, and I've got 18 to 22 year olds that have been exposed to, to more than the average group. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not, you know, they don't still have tons of unlearning to do themselves. That coach, the entitlement part that really hits home with what we were talking about, X, Y, Z, um, that part. I don't think I've, I haven't seen it. Uh, have you guys come across that that framing in, in this definition? Like, Jeff, you said the legalese. Oh, I don't know how you guys put up with it in doing your work, because I feel like it would take an hour of you unpacking the legalese before you could get to the, the actual substance. But react like the entitlement part really stood out to me. Yeah. And I think part of that, the thing that I've loved in my work is we're able to get away from a lot of those legal definitions. And I don't know if Jeff, you do this too, but it just seems to be a roadblock for folks. Mm-hmm. Like that is a lot to get bogged down in. And if I have an hour, two hours, even eight hours, that's not what I want folks to be focusing on. I want them to focus on where they see themselves and where they can change. So it's not surprising to me that your guys are like, yeah, the entitlement part, because folks can start to parse that out. Like, how do I see myself enacting that? How do I see the people around me doing that? Um, We think of entitlement, at least for the folks that I work with in that way, like when we're doing trainings and when we're doing like workshops or working with our partners or convening, like Jeff was saying, that work, it that's like a root cause of it, right? Mm. Thinking like I am entitled yeah. to this other person. And so that's kind of how we've always framed it, but not in this succinct way. Gotcha. So I, again, I really like that. Um, and I'm really glad that your guys were focused in on that. That's really cool. Jeff, I do think it'd be a great way to have a conversation with your guys, 18 to 22, you know, whoever at what age of, of male identified folks to talk about what does entitlement mean? You know, what are you feel entitled to? Uh, we talk often about like rights and privileges. And mm-hmm. so this entitlement is kind of built into this expectation or a unearned privilege that, you know, I will be sexually active. I will be hetero and excessively hetero. Um, and domination, again, tied it to this is Joe Ehrman stuff around like the, the, what it means to be a man is how much heterosexual sex you will have mm-hmm. along with, you know, money and, and physical stature goes back to like your curveball you threw man about like consumption like everything that i have to be pretty intentional not to consume media that doesn't have male sexual entitlement male heterosexual Mm. entitlement built into it yeah right like it's the air i breathe it's the water i swim in that it's going to be a hetero it's often going to be a man saving and providing and then the reward is going to be you know some form of, of sex maybe an intimacy moment but so i think that in this idea of like for these for all of us as men, I don't want to say that I don't struggle with the, mm-hmm. uh, that entitlement word. Right. Um, 
It's funny you say that, Jeff, because, and then Carly, tying it back to both of us talking about Netflix. So I don't know about you guys. Our family's gone through like, okay, we've had, what are we on, month 10? I don't even know anymore, right? It's just Groundhog Day. But we've been through so many shows, and we've been shows as a family, and our 13 and 11-year-old now are, they? so we've been through The Office, we've been through Parks and Rec, we've been through Blackish, we've been through Friends. So, but in those moments, Jeff, how many of those episodes, I don't know if it's, if I don't know if it's, I got LASIK and now I got new eyes. I don't know if I'm smarter, right? But there are so many of these moments, exactly what you said, that Ross deserves X because he spent this or Joe, right? And it's like, I'm stopping it and they're like, dad, another deep thought. I'm like, no, but babe, let, let me show you this. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why are you just showing your daughter? You got to show your idiot son. Because he, you know what I mean? Like, so... I, that it really brought me back to that because it's so baked in. That's such a good way of putting it. It's just the norm. And these are shows I'm like, no, these are good shows for the kids to watch. There's lessons. Oh, there's lessons, Kip. There really are, right? I want to go off of that. We just had an experience the other day. So I grew up watching the musical Grease with yeah. my family. And then I texted my mom, like, as we're sitting down, I'm like, same kind of thing. Our family's been going through like all the Netflix movies. Like, all right, what what series are we on to next? And it was kind of like, well, let's start rewatching stuff from when we were kids. And I texted my mom at the beginning, and she was like, "Ooh, yeah, I got rid of that uh, VHS real quick when you guys were little." Uh, and then I was like, "Okay, it'll be fine." The number of times talk about entitlement. Watch the first ten minutes, and I think, "Wow, what a great lesson in media and thinking about gender roles and entitlement." Um, not to knock it, there's some great things about that movie, but man, we did the yeah. same thing in our family of like, by the 13th time we had stopped it, 20 minutes in, we're like, yeah, all right, maybe we need to digest, consume something uh -huh. else, move on. Do you uh, guys find it with your, like the work you do and the knowledge base, you've, you've, you've just, you know, your experience and all the stuff you do, is it hard not to view everything in this frame with these lenses? Like, no, I, I mean, I'm feeling it myself and I'm not in the, having, don't have near the years as you guys but it's like, holy hell, wow, is it everywhere, in everything? How did I go about this? Like, what a, I mean, no wonder people choose The Matrix. I'm not saying they should, but people love The Matrix, Jeff. They love well, give the, me that blue pill. Yeah. I, there are days I want that blue pill. Give yeah. Me Let me be the base of my, I don't want any of this hard stuff where I got to choose the better. But it's everywhere, and it's, uh, man, anyway, that's, it, it was, when you said that it's baked in. Holy cow! It other stuff on this before I we go to our first break. Other stuff on the definition or that that we haven't let you get out. Uh, it did that wording of his will. You know, again, it's very hetero and it's very male. Again, it leads into the audience who I I get the opportunity to work with, um, and and need to be having conversations. We all should be as men, but that word at his impose his will. Um, again, talk about being baked in, but that is such a, a foundation for this idea. Like the Kaltman talks about the man box, mm. you know, and, and dominance is so included. And, and I do think that we will go to great lengths as men to do things, to impose our will. Um, I, you know, beyond like, well, gosh, I think I peacock, I, I put on a clean hoodie before I joined this call. And I'll let you know for the last 11 months, this has been nothing but elastic. <laughs> Right. But it was still a fresher yeah. hoodie, right? But there's still something about peacocking and it being an appearance. Mm -hmm. that, um, and it, I, I mean, not to go down the rabbit hole, but I think if this conversation, I love this. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with young men um, this week uh, who are in a facility. 
And this will be the definition when we talk around sexual violence, scrapping the legalese. Mm -hmm. But this is a conversation because again, we, what, we, what we, how I think the frame this conversation with us as men is we have more in common, right? And so I don't want to impose my will because I don't want my, your will imposed upon me. So how do we come to this agreement as men about our dominance and, and buying into that narrative? And we need it to show up the way we are in relationship with everybody, you know, particularly in a partnership with women, girls, people who are gender conforming, the whole, all of us as human beings, but nobody's will should be opposed upon us. But however, a lot of us as men has always been baked in that we will be combating for that top spot on the Olympic podium to get that gold medal. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of other folks have already just realized that that second, third, or not even being noticed. So this dominance piece that we that I feel so tied to as a man is some of my unlearning that I've been mm. doing and continue to do. Carly, anything else for the first break? No, I think I appreciate what Jeff just said so much of like, there's so much of that, not only the thing that we're swimming in, like you're saying, it's in Netflix, it's in all the things that we're in, and it's a constant unlearning pattern we all have this around mm. different things we've been talking about so many different themes on this podcast where it's like yeah the process is just unlearning so i just want to normalize that for folks mm. like it's not a jeff or i or you thing or your guys it's just a thing as humans that as we progress and want to be better we're going to have to unlearn some of the harmful things that we learned that's and awesome that's okay. we're capable we'll be right back you're listening to another episode of cross the streams podcast Stay up to date with our latest content via SoundCloud and the Apple Podcast app, as well as following us on Twitter at cross the underscore stream or Instagram at CTS Podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. Technical difficulties, but I solved it. I solved it. One one man production team over here, guys. But let's go to segment two that I sent you. No, I did not send this to show you a picture of myself in a t-shirt, but I figured it was the best way to get the message across. And you won't believe how many filters are applied to that thing. It's unbelievable. But I, I sent, uh, and everybody that follows the, the podcast on uh, on social media, you saw me post this. Um, it's just a black t-shirt, white letters. She is not your rehab. And before I dive into the research I did on the company uh, that convinced me to buy it and rock it and, you know, kind of spread the message, I wanted to get you two's reacts to this. I used this again with my team and gave it to another coach uh, in Indiana to use with his team purely on what do you think that means? Because I've had a lot of people, hey, Kip, what, what is that? I like, the, I like the picture, man. What does that stand for? What does it mean? So I thought I'd bring in the experts to you before I, I give the background. I'm assuming you guys will, will dial it in. But what, what did it mean if you saw it on the posting or when I emailed it to you? She is not your rehab. Oh, I misinterpreted the head nod on visual. No, that's uh, you, Jeff. I See, I'm embracing silence me. too, guys. I'm embracing the silence for processing time. See that? See that? We were just being extra thoughtful. <laughs> yes. We really like to just take some time. And <laughs> this uh, this came up. I've shared her name before, their name before, excuse me, uh, Adrian Marie Brown um, on their blog. I want to say it was like May of 18. Had just an ask to all of us men, like, quit treating women as your therapist. Like, y'all deal with your shit with each other, not with me, not with my sister, not with us, you. Um, so I really appreciate that, that this shirt is making its way out, right? And Kurt, not only from your platform, 
you know, Kip, but you're rocking it talking with your guys because I think this is the conversation for us as men. Like, what can we do? We need to flex that muscle about being emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I pay somebody to, to talk to every week as my therapist. Um, shout out to our, we need, excuse me, a call out to need better health care because uh -huh. my therapist doesn't have a boat with my name on it. He said it's more of a canoe. Oh, sure. just a canoe. Mine has a new car. He has a new car. <laughs> I think that, that, that's the piece. And I 100% and I agreed with Adrian Marie Brown then. I love this shirt now. Like, this is a, a space for us as men to talk about our stuff together. And there's almost some identities, too, that we don't need to give the backstory necessary to explain. For myself, I could talk about the way I was raised as a boy, expectations for a coach growing up in rural Montana. Well, immediately, Kip, I could connect to you about that Montana mentality that you may have felt way on the east side of the state. Mm -hmm. Not much younger than I am, but that expectation. So I think there's something said about um, being in like an affinity space with similar identities. And so what we have always done as men is we've like, pushed off this like, oh, it's weak to talk about your feelings and don't have them. And vulnerability is a sign of weakness and, and being less than. Yet I know myself on my way up and I know other men that crying is only appropriate in front of probably a, a female partner. And it's got to be an intimate partner. Um, and then you would share your, your feelings and emotions with women, and that's where you feel comfortable doing those things. However, mm. as soon as that session's done, you wipe the face, step out the door, and you put your mask back on backwards and continue to pose yeah. and posture. So, yeah, this is for a muscle for us as men. I know we're hungry for this, I believe, to talk and heal. Thank you. Carly? I appreciate, Jeff, how you framed that so much, because I think when I first saw it, I was like, one, what a great conversation starter. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that you have folks being like, all right, tell yep. me about what's happening here. Yes. If I put on? this on, Kip, what are, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, what Jeff, similarly to you, one of the things I thought when I first saw it on your social media was like, wow, who are the people that we tell men are okay or who are safe Ooh. to talk? Right? So we framed it that way. We have said, Jeff, like you're saying, like you, you cry to an intimate partner, preferably female. Like mm. that is the safe, socially acceptable way. Um, otherwise, we're not going to be able to. And so I think that kind of behooves us like as parents or as folks who are working in these topics that we're talking about, like how do we then allow for folks to be safe with other people? How do we teach men? Like, yep, if you're a true friend, you're gonna support your buddy like through whatever they're going through if you're a teammate you here's how you support that person because otherwise who does that work fall to mm. and the women in your life presumably are not getting paid to do that right and <laughs> yeah so they are doing you know their own work and then carrying that too and so i think that's the thing that i saw when when you shared the shirt was like what what then do we teach guys about how to help each other out more, right? And that's yeah. a lot of the work. Jeff, you're doing, Kip, you're doing. Um, so those are my initial reactions. I, yeah. I appreciate that because I saw, I you know, it's like Instagram, right? You know, Instagram's got the algorithms. So they know what Kip's looking at. So this was right after a Batman and then an Allen Iverson jersey sale that threw right through my feed, right? Um, but then, I, I, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. So it's Matt and Sarah Brown. Uh, Matt's a New, New Zealand-born Samoan, so obviously that connected immediately, right, Jeff, with me. And I was like, hey, I got to dive into this story, and he's a barber. And he had noticed, and this made me think of you, Jeff, immediately with some stuff you were doing in the past in Idaho, was, hey, I know guys come to my chair. Yeah, I'm cutting their hair, but I end up 
listening to a lot of their life stories, a lot of their pain, a lot of their trauma. And his, in I think with his wife, um, Sarah's partner, was like, you know what? They, they've got to process these things without the harm they put on women while they're figuring it out. Um, and so that, you know, that led me down all these different, different spots and posts. They're on Facebook. They got their own. She is not your rehab.com. My thought initially guys was in terms of like the athletic world was how often harm is committed by a male athlete. Right. And immediately we get that. Well, he's going to learn his lesson. He's got to learn and move on and grow better in the erasing of the, of the victim, right? The array. And we've talked about this and you guys know about this, but it's like, yeah, guys, like women were put on this earth for our practice dummies. Right. For like, oh, guess what? We got those reps in. I'm better tomorrow. I'll move on. And meanwhile, in our wake, all these are all these people we've harmed. So that that really resonated with me, especially in the culture of athletics, where it's always they don't believe the, the victim and it's the athlete idol. And well, he'll learn from it. He's a better person. Now, even the damn 30 for 30 documentaries, you know, they wipe over the harm committed and move on to how that helped him win the next game. And it's just disgusting. So that 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 was my you know the background on it. She is not your rehab.com. Um, but that that was my my initial thoughts for other other stuff because it is you're right, Carly. Like so many places to go. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things I'm hearing as you're talking, or maybe that you're not saying that, but that I was thinking about more so when you were saying that is also the we talk a lot about like the burden on men to, like Jeff was saying, put that mask back on and then try and navigate the world with half of your emotions, which is super difficult. I think on the flip side of that, I also think that for women, there's a, a massive amount of pressure from how we're socialized or female identified folks are socialized to be the problem solver. Mm. And when you don't have the answer, so that person is coming to you and they're, you're now their stand-in therapist, the, the inability to give an answer or to be in a moment where it's like, I don't feel compassionate for you right now, or I, you're actually harming me or you have harmed me, whatever that might look like. That's a burden too. Mm. Right. So it's not us, us not helping folks learn the skills to be emotionally intelligent. It hurts all of us. Mm. It doesn't, it's not just men's, you know, creating a deficit for men. It's creating an extra burden for women in that way too, I think. Um, so, yeah. yeah, as you were saying that, I was like, man, this yeah. is again, we can all benefit if we do better. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. Jeff. Yeah. yeah and I want to react to, to Carly you earlier. You made the comment about um, at the cost, right? Either financial, emotional, uh, you know, deep costs that we keep expecting. And again, it goes back to this idea of like extraction. Like I'm going to show up and I'm going to give mine. And the emotional labor that goes in to those therapy sessions or listening and problem solving that we put on women. Um, and I, I just, I, so I want to lift that up again. I really appreciate that. And to me, it comes back to us as men, like holding one another accountable and not at the cost of our loved ones or women in our lives. And uh, this guy, Quentin Walcott had hosts a space uh, at a connect New York every week. And he put out this challenge. It was a three week challenge at the beginning of quarantine was remove one, one sugary item from your diet, eat more veg or exercise uh, 20 minutes a day and spend 20 minutes a day in, in meditation or writing. And at the end of it, he ended it with, and not at the cost of your loved ones, particularly women, right? Cause I could definitely get into a three week challenge, but I'm gonna put myself before the needs of our kids, my partner. And I'm gonna say, well, well I'm doing a good thing here. Lift me up, hold me up, mm. make the space for me. 
right? So the things that we may be doing as men um, are going to come at the cost, like you named, uh, Carl, like you named, like we can all be better. One thing that did stand out to me, Kip, as you, in, as you both were talking about the connection to sports, I was thinking about the WNBA this season. Mm -hmm. like, you know, say her name before every interview. They talked about why and who Breonna Taylor was, what she meant. Um, you know, all the social justice movements at the intersection we're in and moving through, the WNBA is the one that kept it alive and mm -hmm. really had, had kept it, started it, and we're moving it. The mm -hmm. NBA jumped on board. But I was talking to a group of college-age basketball men a couple weeks ago, you know, and, and hey, what's we're talking about social justice, and they're like, well, yeah, yeah, the NBA's doing their thing. I said, well, the women have been leading it the whole damn time. Did you watch any games of the women over the summer? Ah, not really. So what it tells me again is that we were relying on women, and, and there was an article in, in the Idaho Statesman around Boise State, women's basketball team, uh, and a senior, uh, their name is uh, Jade Lovell, and happens that she's the leading scorer on the team, um, but she's chosen to take a knee before while well, the anthem is being played, and three of her, two of her teammates join her. The rest of the team stays in the locker room, and they're catching a lot of heat for this. And they and and Jade in the article names mentioned it up to the WNBA. And wise, we're talking about Brianna Stewart and the black and brown bodies that are overcriminalized in prison, murdered by capital violence. And again, it's women who are leading it. Like I, my fear is that now that the administration has changed over, 45 is gone from the office. Like, are we and me in this privileged state are going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, we fixed racism. Oh yeah, well we fixed we, we fixed everything. Mm -hmm. And because it's not so blatant in my face, but this young woman at Boise State, and I think women have, have sustained the work and are continuing to elevate the work that we as men need to definitely pick up. So we need to be in conversations. For sure. Thank you. There, there's a thing I, I put up for them to see on the Zoom, and I'll, I'll link it too as well, because on their Facebook, they're posted, uh, they're pinned posts, so to speak. Just those, those are the listings that, that they write about, exactly going over stuff that you guys have both mentioned. The one that keeps looking at it for me is any healing needed for you cannot come at the, at the expense of her healing, health, and well-being. So both reiterating what, what both of you said. And I know I've seen that, experienced that, probably lived that. Like in this, in my attempt to get better and open and more woke, what have I left in my wake, right? I need this time. I need this uh, 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 to talk about being better. It's, it's an interesting, interesting thought. Um, other stuff. This has been great. Other stuff on that or just before, before we wrap up. Uh, anything else? Any other topics? I was gonna. I got one more question for you. But anything else on she is not your rehab? And like I said, I'll share in the links for the episode to, to their website. Well, the only other thing that I have is that I think folks, I love that you shared that pin post. I really encourage folks to go check that out because I think that there are some really wonderful nuggets we didn't touch on in this. And one being like just centering personal responsibility and that accountability. We touched on a little bit, but they outline it in such a nice way. So I just encourage folks. Is that the part I saw one that really stood out was what happened to you that's giving you, has the, caused the trauma was not your fault, but the healing has to be your responsibility. Um, Jeff, I don't know if we, I feel like that was in Resma's book. I can't remember. I don't, I don't know. I feel like some version of that. I've heard it and I probably cut it up and pasted it, tried to apply it somewhere else, but it was, yeah, it was awesome. Who's been Carly? I've been seeing your Instagram story a lot and you've had so many good reposts and tweets of stuff. 
Where, who are you guys relying on right now? Who's pushing the needle in your brain? Like, I love that take. Or I can rely on this person right now in the storm. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is great because I've been taking a social media, like, cleanse a little bit. You know how folks <laughs> will say, it's like, okay, I'm going to get off Facebook. But then yeah. folks, like, call me out and they're like, yeah, but you're on your Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting that part out. No, one of the ones that I really love um, that I encourage folks, and especially just thinking about, like, education lately and all the challenges parents are having, coaches like a lot of folks there's um an account called teach and transform by Ooh. liz Kleinrock, um and it i think does a really nice job of centering a lot of the voices that we don't usually get to hear in education but also giving some really tangible things about how we build community or not things steps to how we build community how um like with, with this new administration how do we center like racism and sexism mm. and things in ways where we're not just like oh okay we're done like so that has been an account where i have pulled the time that and teaching tolerance i think are two really great especially if you're in education those are um accounts that i've just been spending a lot of time awesome with. no thanks for those jeff Jeff Pereira, who you mm. shared, introduced me to. Um, I've been reading, rereading. Emotional PPE. Oh, my goodness. I, that piece came after I was still sitting with the, I see you, I got you, I, I see you, I feel you, and I got you, like how to translate that. And then the emotional PPE is such a, I mean, timely. Mm -hmm. But the way, again, plain language, the way he was able to describe that. Um, one book that I've been trying to digest um, as of late, in between my Star Wars books, yeah, I go from mouth breather to thinker, <laughs> um, but is uh, Ijeoma Alua uh, wrote, uh, so you want to talk about race, right? She's a Pacific Northwest person, but this mediocre, uh, the title is The Dangerous Legacy of Mediocre White Men. Ooh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's fantastic, right? I mean, race is named in it, but also the gender piece. And so to me, those intersections, how are we going to talk about ending oppression? Um, really is going to start looking internally. Um, that, and then the other piece that's been sustaining me is um, just daily meditation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about, you know, rest of his book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands, Kip, and we're reading it together and sharing, but like taking some of those practices and time, it, it, I've noticed in the last three weeks since I've been doing it, um, most days. I, mm -hmm. I need to give myself some permission when I miss rather than mm -hmm. myself up. That's obviously part of the healing. But just knowing that, that I get that time. Again, when our kids are at school, my partner's at school. And so it's like, yeah, yeah. this might be five minutes late to a Zoom call, but, you know. Yeah. I, Jeff, I got to give you credit for one that I used with the team and in the business from uh, At Remaking Manhood. Uh, it's an article from Mark Green. Um, Sexism is a gateway drug to racism. Um, so that one. And then obviously, like you shared it with me. I posted it, shared it as something for coaches to use to get reps. And then that allowed me to connect. And we got DMing back and forth with the author. So that was a really cool um i appreciate that from you but i mean he's putting out he just put out a whole thread yesterday on the 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 threat of white male violence in general that so many people are marginalized communities are used to right that that's the norm and white america's like oh what really but he did a whole thread on it and it generated 
a ton of discussion. And as usual, if you go through the, the comments on any of these posts from any of the folks, even you guys mentioned, you'll get the other side, so to speak. But I, I like reading those more. I told my players to read those as if that person was in the room for, for mental reps on how am I going to, what if I'm confronted with hate, oppression, misogyny in front of me? Because all those moments, you don't want to end up going home like, oh, I would have said this if I'd have thought of it. Uh, but we need to confront it now, right? So I was tested, though, y'all. I was tested. My oldest um, was, he was, he got called a racial slur three days ago. It's his first time. So I guess that's progress. I was seven and he was 13. So I, I guess that's progress in America, right? But it was from another child, his, you know, his age group. And we had a discussion, not just about, you know, his feelings towards it, but I asked him about his group of friends, which is this particular group he was hanging out with was all white. What, what, what did they say? And he said, well, dad, they, they said some stuff later. I kind of wish they would have said it then. Then I was like, yes, which is something that, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding it against his friends. They can still come in and eat all my food. But it's something that you would like, right? Like that is, uh, that's one of the ways that people are like, oh, how do I know what to say? Carly, you've always said it, courage in the moment. We need it. We can't have courage. And I, I know retro, re, reflection is important, but sometimes being tough then doesn't help anybody. So, but those long way to get back to remaking manhood. I'm sorry for your kiddo, but I love the idea of using Instagram or other social media for good practice or reps mm -hmm. in that way of like, how would I mean? Yep. There's they capitalize it, right? They put their emojis by it that you can picture them screaming it at you. So it's, uh, yeah, right? It, it's, how do I respond to this uh -huh. in a thoughtful way? Yeah, because I'm definitely one of those folks in the moment that would be like, and I know I have to do something. So what a great way if we're consuming yeah. all that. Use it for good. So calling men in. Appreciate you guys as always. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.